It's so good to see you here. If we, um, we were planning to jump right into a new series today, I, instead I felt the leading of the Lord to talk to you about the power to ignore limits, the power to ignore limits. Um, it goes with the title of the new book that's, that's out of the experimentalist. Um, come on, somebody. So we're going we're gonna to overcome, and we're going to step into the power to ignore limits. And I, I've, I've just, I just really am excited about what God is doing. And uh, he's really using this book to touch people and to encourage people. We're getting just good response, good results, and people are, are, are really being encouraged and, so, and being built up to, to move to their next level. Um, so let's start, let's start, and if I can just start with reading, just doing lots of reading, if we can read together. I want you to see it. We can always tell a story. How many of you sometimes when you, when you get into the scriptures and you're talking about scriptures and you just lay it out in a story, you miss details? You can tell the overall, the overall brush stroke of a story, but if you want to get into the, the revelation of the story, you have to get into the details of it. And so I'm going to point out some details, and then we're going to talk about it, okay? And we're at Mark chapter 6, verse 42. Um, they all ate and were satisfied, and they picked up 12 full baskets of broken pieces. Now, this is when Jesus did the miracle of feeding the 5,000. He fed the 5,000 with a loaf of bread and with a basically a little boy's lunch. And he broke it and broke it and broke it and expanded it until it fed 5,000. And here they're picking up, at the end of that miracle, they're picking up 12 full baskets full of, full of broken pieces and also of fish. Verse 44, and there were 5,000 men who ate the, ate the loaves. Immediately, Jesus made, him, made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him. That's one part I want you to really pay attention. Jesus has experienced this miracle. The, the power of God is, is revealed. He's feeding people who are hungry. Then the next thing you know, Jesus is telling his disciples, get in the boat. Someone say, get in the boat and go ahead of me. He tells him to do this. The next thing you see is he sends his disciples away, and then he leaves the disciples sending them away, saying goodbye to them, and he disperses the crowd of, of 5,000 people, and he disperses them and tells them to go away. When I read stuff like this, I ask myself, why is he doing it in this order? Why is he doing it at all? If I'm a leader, then I'm not the one that's actually telling my, 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 my team to go away, and I'm going to be doing all of the cleanup, washing the dishes, putting away the, the bread baskets. I'm not going to be doing all this stuff, making sure that everybody gets out the door because I have helpers that are going to do that. So there's something that we need to see here. We need to see something. And so it goes on, and we see Jesus. He's doing this stuff that, uh, that is very interesting. Uh, he sends the crowd away, verse 46, and after bidding them farewell, he left for the mountain to pray. So here he sends his disciples ahead, he comes back, he cleans the dishes, he puts away the stuff, he sends the, 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 the friends and the family members away, and then he decides, I'm going to go and spend some more time, instead of just getting right behind them, I'm going to go and spend some more time in the mountain, and I'm going to pray. I'm going to spend some time praying. Isn't that wonderful? In verse 47, he says, and, and it, when it was evening, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. So he's been praying for a long time. He's been praying long enough for the, for, the, for the sun to go down 
and, and the people that he sent across, they're not across yet. They're just in the middle. They're just in the middle of the ocean or middle of the sea. It's not really an ocean. We've been there. You see, see Galilee. You can literally see from one side to the other side. You, can, you should be able to cross it pretty quickly, pretty quickly. But they're not able to cross it. And it says, it says why? It says they, that they're not able to cross it. And he sees in verse he sees in verse 48, seeing them straining at the oars. So they're, they're rowing and they're straining and they're, they're fighting and they're, they're fighting the resistance to what they are, they're actually commissioned to do. See, they didn't choose to go on their own. He put them in the boat and he tells them to go across the ocean and they're straining to do what they're commanded to do. Is there anyone that you've experienced some kind of resistance to what you know God's called you to do? That, that, that when God calls you to do something, he doesn't actually call you to do something that's easy. And he doesn't actually do it when it's, when it's easy. It could have been a better time to go across that. Because I, when I was there, I didn't see any waves that could hold a person back from getting across really quickly. So there's times that God will call you to do something when it's not the best time. I wish I had someone that was here with me. When it's not the best time and you find yourself struggling and rowing against a, 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 a resistance that you know you're supposed to get across the other side. The goal is not to be in the resistance. Come on, somebody. The goal is to get to the other side. And, and what the resistance is trying to do is to keep you from thinking about the other side and get you to think about the oars. Get you to think about the waves and get you to think about how long it's taking you to get to the other side. And get you to think about all of the resistance that you're experiencing. But the fact is, is your goal is still get, to get to the other side. Is there anybody here with me in the house of God? The goal is to get to the other side. And so sometimes the enemy wants you to see the limit that you're experiencing, the lid that you're experiencing, because he doesn't want you to focus on the other side. He wants you to focus on the lid. I want you to focus on the limit. Are we about to have some fun up in here? Look what it says here. And they, they, he was watching them strain at the oars. He's seeing it. He's, on, he's by himself on the shore and he's seeing them strain at the oars. For it was, uh, for, for the wind was against them. How I many you know there's sometimes that you are called to do something and every wind there is, is against you? I, I've, I'm asking the Lord, when is the wind going to be on my side, Jesus? Come on, somebody. I, I like those tailwinds that get you from one coast to another coast and shaves an hour off of it. I like when stuff is sped up because something is moving. Is there anyone you want some wind, some tailwind to help you get to where you're going and not the wind that makes you work a little bit hard? Straining at the oars. He's seeing them strain at the oars. And for the wind was against them about the fourth watch of the night. And it, now, now we're getting deep into the night here, guys. This is an all-day affair that he's waiting, taking his time, watching them strain. He's alone on the shore. And then he came to them. About the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. We have to read this. Are you, are you guys reading along? You got to read it. You got to follow. It's on there because you got to read it. You got to see this. You got to see this. If you don't see it, you're going to miss it. 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 Don't miss it. Now watch what it says. And he, and he intended, he came to them walking on the sea, and he intended to pass them. 
He wasn't even coming to help them. He wasn't coming to rescue them. He wasn't coming to take the strain off of them. Come on, somebody. He wasn't coming to take the strain off of them. He was intending to pass them. Now, now I want you to see this because I, I just I, I read the Bible in this way, and the Holy Spirit loves that we ask questions along the way. So I'm asking this question. Here they are halfway. God, how did you catch up so quickly after taking out the garbage, taking, taking the dishes off, sending the people away, going the mountain to pray, coming out and watching them strain, and you start walking and you catch up to them. How are they still straining when you are moving so fast in whatever you, come on somebody, the supernatural helps you to move faster. And he's not, he's, he's so into this that he's not even wanting to just catch up to them and say, hey, what up, guys? He's wanting to walk past them. How many of you feel like sometimes you're in the strain that God's called you to be in? They didn't ask to get in the boat. Maybe you're in a boat of strain because God wants you to see what your efforts can do. What it's like for your power and your efforts and your strength. Come on, somebody. I just want to talk to you about the, the power to ignore limits. And maybe he wants you to be, get in that boat because if he took you the route that he's going, you wouldn't appreciate the route of the supernatural when you think you're still skilled and you think you're still gifted and you think you're still a very smart individual. But God wants people who will row against the smart and row against that and feel the fatigue of doing things in the norm. And he says, here I come. Let me show you how I do things. I walk on water while you row through wind. See, I think that, that in this season, sometimes God's saying, get in the boat so you can actually get in touch with you, for real. Because <laughs> you learned how to row a long time ago when you were a kid. That's the first thing you learn, right? You learn how to you learn how to get across this ocean. You've been this sea. You've been doing this for years. You know how long it should take you. You know it shouldn't take you as long. But then you put all of your effort and all of your energy. Is there anyone in the house? You put everything you learn, all your Harvard degree. You put all of that in. But the realization you're still only halfway in the sea, and you see Jesus walking without. <laughs> Without a row, without an oar, without a boat, there's 12 against the and there's 12 against the one. He's by himself. How many of you are ready to, to, to be real with yourself and know that your efforts can't get you where you're called to go? Verse 47. I want you to remember he intended. What's his intention? To pass them by. So say it again. What's his intention? To pass them by. We're going to come back to that. Because the intention is to pass them by. What's the intention? It's important that we know that intention because he's already keeping his mind on what the goal is to get to the other side. His goal is not to get to them and rescue them. His goal is to get to the other side. Verse 49, 
But when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed that it was a ghost. How many of you know when, when, when you see God doing supernatural stuff, you get super superstitious about it? It must be a ghost. It's, it's, a, it's amazing. We're seeing, people, we're seeing people respond to the miracle working power. It's really interesting the way people are responding nowadays, especially in places where the supernatural is not intervene. There's no intervention of the supernatural anymore. It's no, you don't, it's not being taught. It's not being trained. It's not being pulled on. It's not having an expectation, right? It's, it's amazing that people don't have in their mind that they serve a supernatural God and that he put himself in us. Why would a supernatural God put himself in us for us to live a regular life? For me to row just like anybody else is rowing. For me to, come on somebody, for me to walk just the way everybody else is walking. For me to live the way everybody else is living. For, for me to dial myself down to try to be like the person who went to a school. That is stupid for me to be like that when I have a God. A living God. A mighty God. A powerful God. A God that fulfills things. A God that is able to finish things that he starts. How come I should dial myself down? to become normal when he put super inside of me. Why should I act like I'm not supernatural? Why should I act like I don't have power? Why should I act like that? Well, they're not going to accept it. Not gonna, well, that's their problem. They have, a, they have the ability to touch God when they come close to me because God lives inside my If God lives inside of you, why do you hide him? Is this too much? Is this too much like I'm on the road, huh? You have to understand that God is a supernatural God. And yes, he wants to intervene in the natural laws. And he wants to get across the road and across the sea like everybody else. But he doesn't want you to use the systems that you already know. And when something tries to supersede the system that you already know, the first thing we do is we get super spiritual or superstitious about it. It's amazing that I'm, I'm in between these two worlds where we're either supernatural or we're super spiritual, and I'm completely overwhelmed with the super spiritual. Because you can have God in you without being weird. Pulling on stuff that I'm like, that doesn't, that's not even biblical. That's not even in the Bible what you're talking about. We don't have to make up stuff. If you just have God himself, it's powerful. One of the testimonies of the last couple of weeks, this woman who has uh, down in Auburn, I don't even know what it is. There's some kind of thing in her spine, a spiral thing that's connected to her, her brain stem. And, and wouldn't, the fluid couldn't flow and, and she couldn't move. And she had some very limiting things. And the doctor said, it's even a miracle that you're able to move, walk around, because you should be crippled. And, but she's not able to move. She's not able to do what she does. I saw her husband a couple of days after we prayed for her. And he's like, my wife is new. <laughs> she came into the house and she goes like this. Hey, baby. And he's like, come on. And she, he's like... <laughs> He's like, thank you. Come on, somebody. He had moves going, you guys don't like this. He had moves having, he had moves he ain't seen ever in his marriage. Oh, yeah, pretzels, twister. Come on, I'm telling you. (laughs) 
See, but the realization, as doctor said, the only way we can do it, the only way we can help you is we have to open up your brain and we have to go back and do brain surgery to get down into your spine. And I'm telling you, one moment with the supernatural God can make your wife go like this where she couldn't do that before. I'm telling you, the power of God is right here in this territory and right here in this city and right here in this life. And he lives inside of you. So I can go to Harvard and learn for eight years how to row. Or I can show up as stupid as anybody else and have a God that's inside of me that knows exactly what needs to happen. Which limit do I want? Why should I dial down a God that can interrupt a marriage and bring them? I mean, they're playing. We, they walked me to the car. She's carrying my books, my cases of books. She doesn't want me to carry my books. She's carrying my books. He's carrying my books. And they're telling me all the vacations they're planning. I'm like, okay, you guys get a little too much information. You guys are really happy. Unless you're planning to buy me a ticket and my wife a ticket. Get on with all this story. Why should I dial down the supernatural? Why should we dial down the supernatural? When the supernatural God inside of me makes me smarter than anybody that's ever read a book. I just think we're going to step into something. And yes, we all want to get to the other side. Everybody wants to get to the other side. The people in Harvard want to get to the other side. We want to get to the other side. The end result is the same. But the process of getting there is different. He's a, so don't get super spiritual. What, what, what I think is, what I think what I'm saying is about they, why would a ghost come walking up to you? Why? Why? I mean, this is what I, this is what I don't see the, the super, the supernatural and the super spiritual are completely different. The supernatural has a tie into the natural. The super spiritual has a tie into the spiritual and it never, ever ties back into the natural. It just gets up there and you, you, it's just interesting. And I'm like, my head is bouncing when people talk to me. I'm like, I'm like, what are you talking about? How is this going to affect my life here? It's not a ghost. When people get all ghostly. Don't say it's a ghost. We don't even know why ghosts show up. No one wants to be around a ghost. Everybody's afraid of a ghost. Casper is even scary. You have to understand. When God starts to do supernatural stuff, don't get super spiritual. Don't then just start tying into any old belief in any old thing. It's got to come right back down into the ground. It's got to come right back down in the air. It needs to be if that spiritual affects here. If God wants to be like up there, then he would have taken us up there. It needs to come back down here. It needs to heal a body. It needs to change a city. It needs to change a territory. It needs to help a family. It needs to do something right here. If it doesn't do that, then let it go. Let it go. Let it go.
This is where the enemy loves. He loves that we then immediately become ghostly. And then that's where people say we don't want that. Because it doesn't help them. It doesn't change Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It doesn't change the way that they live and where they live. I know I'm losing some of you, but that's okay. I'm, welcome, I'm welcoming myself back. And they cried out in verse 50. I wasn't supposed to preach all this, but we're there. For they all saw him and were terrified. They saw him. They just left him hours ago. But now they see him doing something they've never seen him do. Now they're terrified of him. Get rid of you, terrify some people. You don't know how many people avoid us when we really are moving into the things of God. I mean, people just, they avoid us. They cried out and they were terrified. But immediately he spoke with them and said to them, take courage. So I'm saying, courage, take courage. It is I, do not be afraid. Anything that Jesus is in shouldn't create fear. Do not be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them and the wind stopped and they were utterly astonished. I want you to see this. Then, then he got into the boat with them. The, the wind stopped when he got into the boat. The wind stopped, not be, the wind stopped. I asked myself, why is the wind stopping now that you're in the boat? Because the whole purpose of the wind was no longer needed anymore. The purpose of the wind was to create the resistance. Let's read, let's read the same passage, and I'll, I'll come back to this, okay? We'll read the same passage in, in, in Matthew chapter 14. Let's look at verse 26. And when the disciples saw him walking on the, on the sea, this is the same story, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And he, they cried out, it is a ghost out of fear. In verse 27, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. But Peter said, Oh, we get a little more detail here. But Peter said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. It's a different story because the revelation is, is that when you are in resistance, you can either say, God, let me come to you and do what you're doing, or you come to me and do what I'm doing. And if you come to me and do what I'm doing, then I'm no longer ignoring limits. I'm now giving in to them. And then the limit disappears when you get into comfort. There's two ways to get rid of limits. One is to ignore it and walk past it. And the other one is to give in to it and let it succumb to it and still be limited, but without wind. The purpose of the wind was to create the resistance so that you can look for another option. So that you say, well, I'm trying to know all the knowledge. I've Googled. I've tried everything. I've talked to every counselor. I've done everything. Now, God, I, I just need to do it your way. And I see you doing it a different way. And I'm, will you come into the boat with me? 
See, I want I want I want you to see this in Philippians chapter Philippians chapter three verse thirteen. It says, "Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do: forgetting those things which are behind me." See, the only reason that 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 we stay with the boat is because that's what we know. We always stay with what's familiar. We stay with what's familiar because familiar is the, the is a remembrance of things. We remember what was safe. We remember what was comfortable. We remember what was cozy. And that, re, that, that is what we, that remembrance, that is a reference point now for the rest of my life of what is safe and what is cozy. And I will try to find that when I feel uncomfortable. Someone says to me, why do I keep giving myself to pornography. Well, there's two times you give yourself to pornography. One is when you are really successful and you have an emotion energy that you don't know what to do with, or you're very discouraged and you have an emotional energy that you don't know what to do with. And so you go to what was cozy. What was your binky? It's a binky. You can't put your finger in your mouth and and suck on it, or you can't have a blanket anymore, so you have a hidden blanket. Wow, this is... See, see, people are not bound by, by pornography. Pornography is a coping mechanism for a life that you can't control. And so you get in control, and you master yourself. It's been a couple weeks since I've been here. I don't know. Maybe I maybe I, I changed since I've been gone. I'm sorry. I gotta I gotta repent. I gotta come back to Sunday morning church, Sunday morning service. Because realization we can't keep using the same old excuses of why we can't get out of the boat. This is a season where the boat is intentional, and the wind is intentional. To get you little baby chick to jump out of the nest and start flying and ignore the limits that have always been your limits, that little border of your nest, and you've never gone out of that nest. But come on, somebody, it's time to start flying. Oh, come on. It's time to start flying and find your wings in this season. And the resistance is there because you got to tap into something that's bigger than yourself. You have to understand that there is a revelation that you have to forget those things. See, your, your biggest thing is, the biggest problem for your future is your remembrance of the past, the references of the old, the references of, of who you used to be, the references of what you know and what you think you know or what you don't know. All those references. See, the reference of this is the only way we can get across the ocean here, guys. Only way we can get across is being in a boat with oars. Guess what Jesus did? He stepped out and said, you can keep those old references. Because that, but let me show you that when you have a supernatural God living inside of you with a supernatural mind of Christ, then you no longer have to work with the old references. 
Is there anybody with me? You no longer have to work with the old references. There, you don't have to be that one that was always beat up in school. You don't have to be that one that is always trying to make people feel a certain way so you can feel a certain way. You don't have to be that one. Come on, I wish I had some money. You don't have to be that one. You don't have to be that one. You can actually step out of the boat and be the one that is now rising higher. You don't have to be the one that is always looking up to someone, but you can have people looking up to you and going, will you teach me? Will you help me? Will you train me? Will you take me under your wing? Will you be my mentor. I want you to understand we have to shift in our mind because we are shifting in our past. See, the thing, the thing with movies, I like movies and I like talking about movies. I like, you know, I, more than that, I just love, I love, I want, I just envision making movies. And there's some movies I would just love to just go back and fix the end on. How many of you have a movie you wish you can go back and fix at least the end of it? Because when you fix the end of it, you fix the whole movie. You don't have to fix the whole thing. You just have to fix the way you think it ends. That's why he's saying forget what's just behind you because there's some things that you thought ended, but you got to fix the end of it. I've been abused. I was abused. That's why I do this. Fix the end of it. I was abused, but now I'm empowered to help other people that are. Change the end of the story. Don't let the story stay the same story. If you can change the end of the story, it changes the whole plot. It changes everything. Oh, just change the end of it. I wish I can go back and change the end of the Saving Private Ryan. He would look like Rambo at the end instead of some pot belly. Sorry. How many of you know that, that we need to just learn to change the end of the story that we've been telling ourselves and why you can't go and why you can't step out of the boat and why you can't build an incredible business and why you can't have an amazing marriage, an amazing life, why you can't change the story by changing the end. I'm losing all kinds of ladies. My magnetism is gone. Thank you. Thank you. That's right. I'm trying to attract more men to the church anyways. But those things which I do, he says, I, 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 I don't find that I'm already apprehended. I'm not to the other side yet. How many of you know if you're not to the other side, you need to forget what's behind you? I'm not to the other side yet, but the thing that, that I do is I forget those things which are behind me, and I reach, someone say reach. I reach forward to those things which are before me. That you got to reach for it. you got to stretch out for it. you got to extend yourself in it. you got to push into it. What are you reaching for? Oh, I just want to be normal. If that's your reach, you're going to have it. If all you want to do is be normal, you'll do it. That's easy. Just be limited. Just embrace every limitation and become an amazing victim and you'll be normal. That's normal. 
and that's why we celebrate the people who, who stretch out of normal and become the superstars in Hollywood or the superstars on the field or the superstars on the basketball because they, they extend themselves without even the supernatural. They extend themselves. Am, am I yelling too much? They extend themselves. And we go, whoa, look at that. I'm going to pay $5 to go see that, whatever it is. $550. So but the realization is we watch only people who are better at extending themselves and forgetting what's behind them than we are. That's what we celebrate. And we are satisfied with watching it. I'm not. I'm not satisfied with watching it. Come on, I'm going to talk to you. I heard that. I, I just was waiting for someone to get a little bit of Holy Ghost on it. I'm not satisfied with watching it. I'm not here to watch people be great. That's not why God gave birth to me. That's not why I'm in the earth, to watch people be great and to be someone's fan. When I get to heaven, he's not going to ask, oh, what a great fan you are. Let me tell you, tell me all the people you are amazing fan to. Man, I know everything about this guy. I know everything. I know all their stats. I know exactly how many people on their Instagram. That's nonsense. You're not here to be a voyeur and watch people. You're here to be someone who is spectacular. How do I do that? Ignore limits. Forget that which is behind you. Someone say forget. Then you have to. You have, to, you have to be the person that goes, I'm going to set a new marker for myself. Yeah. It says, I press towards. What I'm going to do is I'm going to stretch up, but I'm going to press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm going to set a new marker for myself. What am I pressing to? Not just I'm not pressing to you and I'm not pressing to you. I'm not looking at your Instagram or your thing and saying, I can't wait till I get to 5,000 or 10,000. I can't wait till I get to where they are. Oh, I'm going to press into where you are. That's nonsense. But my calling is in God, which is in Christ Jesus. And I'm going to now measure myself to where Jesus is. My measurement is Jesus level. What does your life look like if Jesus were to fully walk out your life? Born in your house, raised with the same conflict you're raised with, having all the same excuses you have, would you be in perfect sync with his steps? I mean, I just think, what would Jesus do with my excuses? I mean, if I'm, if I'm, if, if we're getting, if part of the whole thing is that I learn to live with the ordered steps of my life. And if he's ordered my steps, that means he's paced them. How many of you notice that you can, you can try to walk in someone's steps, but you will end up being in their pace by the level and distance of their stride. So if he's in, if he's walked something out before me and my steps are ordered, my question to myself was this. If Jesus was born in, in Tacoma, <laughs> raised in Puyallup with not knowing his father and having a mother that has had certain issues and having family members that have had those issues and then dealing with issues that I've dealt with, what kind of excuses would he accept as a limitation? 
And would he have pushed through limits that would make him so further in my life than I am right now? Where would I be if I was in sync with the way Jesus would walk my life? What would I have said yes to that he said yes to? What if I would have said no to the things he said no to? How much further would I, would, or would I still be rowing? Would I still be rowing? Come on, church, are you with me? Would I still be rowing in the areas that I'm rowing? Or would I forget those things that are behind me, press towards the mark of what the measurement is in Christ Jesus that are for my life right now? See, I love growing up. I love being raised. I didn't grow up with, with family members that I could be measured off with. But I loved when my kids were growing up that we had this, we, we just gave a little part of our wall to where we could mark where they're growing. And I remember them going, I want to get to here, and I want to get to here. And, I, and, and we're marking it the whole time. I wish that I had the Jesus marker for my life right now. So that's what I got to press into. I got to press into the Jesus marker for my life right now. Press into that by first changing the story that you excuse yourself with. Every excuse is a story that you need to change the end of it. It's a movie that you made up and you tell people to convince them it's called the log line is what we do. We tell them the log line of our life and we help them see the story and the end of that story so that we actually can have someone say, oh, I understand why you're limited. People want me all the time to say, well, I'm struggling with this. I'm like, I have no patience for your limitation. If you want to come out, I can help you out. But I have no patience for the... I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. But because I'm a pastor, I have to. And so I go. And I'm always chewing gum, Dan. I'm chewing gum, Dan. I'm like. <laughs> I have so much gum in my, my bag. I'm like, cases of gum. Yeah, tell me more about it. Working through the whole, I just want to run. You guys don't, I, it's, 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 we're going we're gonna to take that out. You guys will forget about it by tomorrow. We'll take that off of the, we'll, we'll take that off of the, it won't be, no, re, no record of it. Scratch that from the, someone say press. What are you pressing to? You have to set a mark, but don't set a mark that's easy for you. Set a mark that's not easy for you. Set a mark that's un, 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 Unrealistic. Is that what you told me yesterday? That's what you told me yesterday? You told me yesterday. Isn't that what you said? You said that you, you talked to the people from this certain industry, SpaceX, and you guys are talking, and he says, the whole thing that we do is we set marks that are unrealistic every day that we cannot do. And we never, and he says, and we never win. But in that never winning that, they always outbeat. Come on, somebody. Set something that you know you can't get. 
And then she gave him this book. And so I went to prayer last night. I said, Lord, let that book pass all around SpaceX. Let it go from one hand to another hand, 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 to another hand. I don't care where it goes. I just wanted to keep on going. I don't want to be stuck on somebody's desk or someone's. Because this is the mindset of that SpaceX. They have the power to ignore limits, and they're going to tap into something. If you want to do something great, you can't be pushing for what everybody else is. If you can see it in someone else's life, then it's not big enough for you. It's not big enough for you. Hey, Chris. You have to understand that there's something bigger. You have to press towards the mark. Press towards something bigger than yourself. You have to know that God's called you to something bigger than what you've ever imagined. I want, to, I want to read this scripture. One of my favorite scriptures, I have a book that I've written on it. I haven't produced it yet. And it, it's, this book is called Lemonade Stand. It's just, on, it's just on my iPad. It's called Lemonade Stand. And I haven't had a release of it. We have all these other books that God tells me to release, and I'm waiting to release this one. And what, it, let's put up Jeremiah, Jeremiah 15, and verse, verse 19 says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, if you return, then I will restore you. Before me, you will stand. Someone say stand. I want to stand. I want to stand in God. How many, how many of you want to stand up and stand up and be the tallest you can be? I don't want to shrink down for anyone. I don't want to, I don't want to pretend like I'm something. I remember there was a, there was a couple that were, they were getting married and I said to the lady, I said, listen, I, I don't want you to marry this person if you're going to, if you're going to, you're going to slump down to his level. See, because a person who is really tall, a tall woman marrying a short man will always try to make them feel taller. Don't you dare get around someone you want to impress. And All right, that's too much. You guys don't like all this stuff. <laughs> before me, someone say, before me, I want to stand before God. And if you, this is what he says, if you extract the precious from the worthless. If you can look at the worthless and say, I can pull something from here. You can look at the worthless and go, there's something good that's going to come out of this. If you can look at the worthless and say, oh, the best is yet to come. If you know how to separate from all of this stuff, what is precious See, that's what we have to, we have to first get the mindset that goes, I forget that which is behind me. I'm pressing towards that which is in front of me. I'm, I'm going to ignore the limits. The limit tells me that this is junk. The limits tell me that this is a problem. The limits tell me that this is never going to work. The limits tell me that I'm always going to be stuck in this row. But I have to look for the precious in the mint. There's something precious in this moment. How many know there's something precious right now? You may look and go, there's nothing going good in my life. If you look, if you actually look for the precious, you'll find something precious in this moment. And then, then I love this part, and he says, and you will become my spokesperson. I want to be God's spokesperson. But I can't be God's spokesperson if I'm complaining about what the worthless is. If I'm only identifying the worthless. God's spokesperson identifies the precious in the middle of the work. 
And one of the, one of the premises of this book is, is, is the idea of Thomas Edison. He says, in order to invent, all you need is a good imagination and a pile of junk. All you need is to be able to withdraw the pressures from the worthless. Then you'll become God's spokesperson. What do you do when, God, when, when your life is full of lemons? You make lemonade and you set up a stand. It's my lemonade stand. 